Welcome back to the 3x5 Life Podcast. This is Jesse, and I am missing my partner in crime, Brian, this week. Um, we just could not seem to lock our schedules up this week to do a podcast, and he was on the road doing some meetings, and we've been running around with sports, I'm sure like everybody else is with the spring season, and so I just decided to hop on here and do a little podcast about some things that have been on my mind, some things I've been interacting with in terms of content, some conversations I've been getting into, and just really kind of connecting back with you guys about some of the things that we talk about on this podcast. So because I forgot this part, we talk about health, well-being, wellness, mindfulness, productivity, all kinds of fun things. Um, This week, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, perfectionism. And kind of tie in some different resources that I've been listening to and and interacting with with that conversation. So I just finished up teaching a grad class on resilience. Um, If you are just tuning in, I teach graduate master's degree courses specifically for teachers. So we try to make these classes applicable to both the adult, the educator, and then how they can then turn the content back into their classrooms and utilize it with their students. And so one of the things that we use as a tool in order to teach the concepts of resilience this time around was the documentary Stuts, which we have unpacked a little bit on this podcast before. One of the tools in Stuts that I've been thinking a lot about is the tool of the snapshot. If you haven't caught that documentary yet, um, let me just kind of explain what the snapshot is. So Stutz is a psychologist who uses these kind of bite-sized tools to help people with mental health, help people feel better. And the idea of the snapshot is that um, basically like if you took a picture of what you think your perfect life would look like. So we do this a lot when we take a snapshot of like our perfect college, when we take our snapshot of our perfect marriage, a snapshot of what our family should look like, what our home should look like. And the snapshot can be really dangerous because we measure things up and success up to whether or not we've achieved that snapshot. But what Stutz talks about and ends up happening a lot is once that snapshot is achieved, a lot of times we're left with a feeling of inadequacy and not as excited or fulfilled as we thought we were going to be once that snapshot is accomplished. So then we set another snapshot and we're living our lives for these ideas of hitting these monumental um, steps in our life and not really recognizing the present and where we are. So this tied so much into the idea of perfectionism. I was listening to a podcast with um, Will Storr, who was getting interviewed. He's a journalist who's written art- who's written articles for like the New York Times, a bunch of different um, literary magazines. And he was looking at this idea that perfectionism is on the rise at such an alarming rate. So backtrack, I actually have a perfectionist tendency with my with my son. So he as a learner tends to get very frustrated. He's a big eraser. He wants his letters to look perfect, especially with his artwork. If it doesn't meet his expectations of what it should look like, he has a really hard time with his emotions. And so I've been thinking about this from a parental lens, but also from a teacher lens and also from an from an adult. And when I was listening to this guy, Will Talk, he mentioned this idea of 
this bar and how the bar for expectations of us as human beings, as learners, as children, continues to get higher and higher and higher. So the rate of perfectionism increasing is directly connected to the idea that our expectations and the ceiling for what is the norm and the bar is always, always elevating to a higher level, which leaves a sense of inadequacy and, and not being able to accomplish what we want to. And this is linked to mental health. It's linked to problems with anxiety, depression. It can be in students or especially adults. It could be self-harm. It could be self-medicating with things that maybe like drugs and alcohol. This could lead to eating disorders. And the idea that you're not good enough is a concept that is really tricky for people. And so I liked this this thought process of, okay, so what is causing this increase in perfectionism? So if you think about from a student's perspective and the bar getting higher, you know, thinking about grades, our grading systems and how we have class rankings and we have valid Victorians. And I don't know if you recognize, but I've seen this in the last 10, 15 years of teaching where students will have like a 4.7 GPA, where before when we were in school, 4.0 was about as high as you could go. And not only do you have like a 4.7, 4.10 GPA, but you have like 15 kids who have that type of GPA. The pressure to be better than, better than, better than is really hard. And there's a ranking system of class rank that tells you over and over that you're not good enough, that the definition of success is to have this specific GPA. This shows up in attractiveness. So you're looking at these social media accounts that have supermodels. I was just looking the other day. Um, I saw a teenager applying makeup um, to their face, and I just was in awe of these steps and techniques that are involved in applying makeup these days. I can tell you that I did not put on makeup until I was maybe my freshman, sophomore, junior year of college, I never had to think about that as a high schooler. And you see middle schoolers who are looking at these women who are giving, or young women who are giving, you know, tutorials on how to do your makeup and how to look a specific way, how to cover all your quote unquote flaws. And so they're taught that the bar is so high that in order to achieve it, you have to do X, Y, and Z. So now we have our body awareness, our attractiveness, we have our grades and our academics. You have athletics where children are starting athletics super young and you have kids who are in travel sports at you know young, young ages. And so but by the time they hit middle school and high school, these athletes are extremely well-rounded. And if you have a kiddo who's coming into the game late, it's really hard to make way as an athlete. So expectations for athletics, expectations for what relationships look like, for your social accolades. Are you invited to this event? You saw that there was a party at someone's house and you're comparing yourself to that. So the bar of what is expected of our students and of our children is getting higher and higher. And on the flip side, we have the same thing as adults. We're constantly playing the comparison game. We're looking at people's children and their accomplishments and even the homes we live in. I feel like anytime you look online at people's homes, we're comparing, does my house look like this? Do I have this furniture? Is my house big enough? And we're doing this comparison game and it's leading to unhappiness. It's leading to this idea of hitting that snapshot and it never being enough, which leaves us feeling unsatisfied. You talk about social events, marriage, aging appearance. As a woman, I can tell you the pressure of aging gracefully is extreme. Um, everything, everywhere you look, you see what you're supposed to look like at a specific age. And, you know, as someone who's getting a little bit older there, I feel that pressure. I feel this idea of the expectations of society, of our communities. And so it just leaves me kind of thinking about one, how did we get here? And two, what are some tools or things that we can utilize to help with 
these really high expectations. Um, so on the flip side, so these, these thoughts have been swirling for me. I have a young, I have young children. I have a daughter, you know, I'm hitting the age where as a woman, you know, I'm aging. And so I've been thinking about this. Um, am I good enough? Are we good enough? This, this ceiling a lot. And so I was on the way home today from dropping my kiddos off. And I went on Bry's Audible account and just pulled up one of his books because he listens to a ton of books on Audible. And I pulled up Jay Shetty's Think Like a Monk. I think I was just in the mood for just some like calm clarity. And when I put it on, Jay Shetty started talking about this idea of how at a very young age, we are taught to focus on our weaknesses. And I think that this there's a connection here, but I think that this really ties to our relationship with perfectionism. When we're taught to focus on our weaknesses, think about a child in school. You get that report card, or as teachers, we give their report card, and let's say the child has three A's and they have one D, right? As a parent, what do we focus on? As a teacher, what do we focus on? We focus on the D. We focus on the one subject that that child did not do well on, and we double down. We have teachers who help support them. We have remediation. We have tutors. We're working with them at home, and we are ignoring the aptitudes and strengths that our kids naturally have affinities towards. What builds confidence, a sense of worth, a sense of accomplishment is what they are good at, what their strengths are. And Jay Shetty talks about when you think of where we should be focusing our attention, it should be on that. This happens as adults. You go for a year-end job evaluation or a year-end teaching evaluation. The thing that you focus on is the feedback that is negative. The thing that the, the evaluator focuses on is the area of improvement. So we're putting our energy and our time into working on this unachievable sense of well-rounded perfection. And so I wanted to think about ways to help, you know, my own kids, my students, our teachers, myself. And I think that this is the idea that if we switched the script on not focusing on the inadequacies, but focusing on the, the things that people are doing well and looking at why they're doing well, what is the strength behind the achievement? Finding that strength and allowing them to to like I said, double down in that strength area. And as adults supporting them in doing that, let's say that their grades are great in like art, right? Art or even English language arts, but maybe in math, it's not so great. Yes, I think we to get a well-rounded student, you can focus on math, but think about what would happen if you took that student and gave them opportunities to explore ELA, English language arts, maybe performance, maybe public speaking, maybe going into a play, maybe writing a script. So the opportunities are endless to strengthen that ability. Um, so I don't know. I think one way that you could do this, if you're not sure where your strengths are, is what is the thing that you do that makes you feel the most confident? What is that thing that you do where you feel like people come to you for that? And if you don't know, you could ask a parent, you could ask a friend, you could ask a colleague, like, what do you think I do that I excel at or that I'm talented at? And if you can find those pieces and you focus your attention on that, I think the sense of perfectionism will be lessened because you have something that's making you feel confident and good enough. So anyway, long story long is the snapshot 
that ever achievable thing that we're striving for that we just can't like get to and find happiness in leads to that perfectionist tendency and why this is increasing the comparison game, the raising the bar, the expectations, watching and paying attention to those expectations that we have for ourselves. And then we have for our children and the people that we're around. And then if you're looking for a way to combat this, I think it is highlighting shining a spotlight on every person that you come into contact with, something that they're doing really well. And 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 just acknowledging that. It could be the person who is, you know, at the grocery store and you see them doing something with their child and just saying to them, wow, I really like the way that you handled that tantrum in aisle four, right? Something that you used a calm voice and eye contact and you got down on your kid's level and that was beautiful. This feedback of highlighting when people are doing something well can literally move mountains because it gives that person confidence in that area so that they can then take that and turn it outward to others. So that's it. <laughs> that's all I got for you. I just, you know, like I said, this I've been chewing this for a little bit for a couple of weeks. You know, Brian and I were trying to figure out a time to do a podcast and we just couldn't sync up. And I just thought I would come on here and give you a little bit of my two cents. So love to hear your thoughts on this too, especially, you know, if you're finding this with your teenagers or you're finding this, you know, with people in your life and and is, is this leading to true unhappiness and unrest? And then maybe how can we work together and, and, you know, work smarter and not harder and find ways to elevate and lift each other up? All right. I hope everybody has a good week and I will see you next time. Take care. We are all-